Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Well, folks, welcome to the free Savage Nation podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But for those of you who have been requesting that we provide for you an ad-free podcast, we're going to keep doing that. And in addition to getting the ad-free podcast, which many of you want, for less than the price of a beer in a bar a month, only $3.99 a month, you're going to get an occasional monologue from me. Maybe I'll read from one of my novels. You're going to get an archive piece going back to 1994. Whatever comes up, you're going to get on an occasional basis. Details will be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. I'm going to give you a link right now. And if you want to join, all you got to do is go to glow.fm slash savage premium. Glow.fm slash savage premium. Glow.fm slash savage premium. If you click on it. You're going to see a cartoon of me join Savage's exclusive club with the rate. And you just click and you join. You're going to love it. I appreciate it very much. I hope you join the Savage exclusive club. I want to thank you very much for supporting the Savage Nation podcast, either the free version or the paid version, your patronage. It's appreciated. It's that simple. Today's podcast is entitled Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About COVID That the Government Won't Tell You. And it will include four sections. The first section is why obesity is a big risk factor. The second one is zinc and activators. The third is nutraceuticals and botanicals. And the fourth is garlic. Before we begin today's podcast, I want to go back for a moment for my regular listeners and for my new followers to my experience in the field of health and health books and things of that nature. We go all the way back 
to my first master's degree, my second master's degree. These are real master's degrees. They're not fake ones. They're not in uh, ethnic studies. Uh, they're not in um, white hatred. So my first and most important master's degree was published in its entirety by a journal at uh, Harvard University on ethnomedicine in Tonga. Unto itself, it's worth more than most PhDs today. The second master's degree was in anthropology, which was published as a book. Uh, the PhD that I earned in 1978 was from the University of California at Berkeley in nutritional ethnomedicine. I've been fascinated by health and nutrition my entire professional life. My first published book is called Earth Medicine, Earth Foods, The Classic Guide to the Herbal Remedies and Wild Plants of the North American Indians. It was published in 1972. I have a copy of it in my hand. I put my heart and soul into this. I remember it very well, the nights I stayed up till 2 and 3 in the morning writing this book. And I love this book, and it's still in print, if you can believe this. I believe it's still in print. I'm not here to sell you the book. Buy it if you want. But there are so many others, it's hard for me to remember where to begin. I have written so many books in the health field. I'll just go down the list. Other herbal books include Herbs That Heal, written with Janet Weiner, How to Fortify Your Natural Defenses Against Cancer, Arthritis, Chronic Fatigue Syndrome, Skin Problems, Insomnia, Allergies, Even the Common Cold, and Free Yourself from Unnecessary Worry for Life. It's a great book. It sold hundreds of thousands of copies. Other health books that I find are of some interest to the subject at hand of the immune system would be Maximum Immunity. This is an important book. It was published by Houghton Mifflin. I don't even remember the year anymore. It's an amazing book, 1986. It went into six languages, many, many copies, many, many languages. And it's about how to build up your immune system to ward off illness or get well more quickly. It was an interesting book, many languages. Along the way, my book, Secrets of Fijian Medicine, was published by the World Health Organization, a division, actually the UN published it, and it was based on my plant collecting in the Fiji Islands, all the healing plants. We're trying to reissue that book. It's been very difficult to get the book formatted for a reissue on Kindle. Other health books that I have written, I believe I can remember some of them. One was called People's Herbal. I wrote The Skeptical Nutritionist in 1983. Great book, way ahead of its time. Nutrition Against Aging. I'm trying to find a list here on the internet. It's hard to find. The Herbal Bible, The Complete Book of Homeopathy. Let us see. I think that Nutrition Against Aging is another one. Man's Useful Plants, The Art of Feeding Children Well. Interesting book, a very important book. And strangely enough, Bugs in the Peanut Butter. I know it's funny that won the uh, award for the best science book for children way, way back when. Some of these are available online. Some are not. I don't sell my own books. Maybe I should, but I'm giving you this background so that you understand how long and how diligently I have been working in the field of health and nutrition, especially things we can do for ourselves and our loved ones to keep ourselves healthy. And if we do become sick, how to make ourselves better. It's as simple as that. And now we're going to begin the podcast, everything you ever wanted to know about COVID that the government won't tell you. I focus in this podcast on things we can do and things we should not do. I do not discuss vaccinations in this particular podcast. I may do so as a separate podcast in the future. Thank you for listening. I'm Michael Savage. I'll be right back. Michael Savage a host like no other.
As a matter of fact, the CDC did, the, did this and took this action based on the data. What they'll do now, and I know we've discussed that with the CDC director, what they'll be doing now is coming out very quickly with individual types of guidances. So people will say, well, what about the workplace? What about this? What about that? And I think that's going to be clarified pretty quickly. I would imagine within a period of just a couple of weeks, you're going to start to see significant clarification of some of the actually understandable and reasonable questions that people are asking. I generally never begin podcasts by stating the day or the time. I try to make them more universal. This is an early Sunday morning here in the San Francisco Bay Area. The skies are overcast. We've had two straight months of wind north of San Francisco with occasional days of sunshine. The rest of the country is baking. We are just sitting in gray darkness. I understand the weather conditions and how they work, which is the hotter it is in the inland, the more the moisture is pulled off the ocean. And so we get the fog, the grayness. People say, yeah, but Mark Twain said the coldest uh, winter I ever spent was a summer at San Francisco. We all heard that crap. I'm talking about two straight months running back into the spring. So it's a very depressing time. COVID is coming back in the Delta variant. You say, well, what is a Delta variant? We all know by now what it is. You don't have to be an epidemiologist to understand what's going on. Viruses keep changing. They change form. The same with the uh, flu virus, which is why I never took a flu vaccine. And thank God I haven't had the flu in 30 years. And we're going to do that today. We're going to talk about things you can eat, things you can drink, things you should not eat and drink to foster your immune system. And God forbid you should get COVID, uh, recover faster without going into a state of, uh, of shock from an over-inflammatory response, really more specifically a greater autoimmune response, which causes a cytokine storm, which we'll talk about today. So I'm going to start with why people who are obese tend to get a more deadly form of COVID-19 even when they're young. Why in other words, obese people? Why do we hear that obese people tend to get the disease more so than others? You don't really know why. You just think that, well, because they're unhealthy. But what does that actually mean? Many people in intensive care units are obese to begin with, which explains why many minorities, I know you say, whoa, you're saying minorities are obese? Yes, there's a high degree of obesity amongst minorities in the United States of America for a number of reasons, which is a separate discussion. But it's coffee and news of the day in a way today on the Savage Nation. I have to have a sip of coffee. Hold on. Okay, so here's the title of today's podcast. Everything you ever wanted to know about COVID that the government won't tell you. I think that's the working title for me. I'm afraid to post it as the actual title because I'm afraid it'll be banned and blocked by the censors in the new communist Soviet Union of America. The Google people, Twitter people, Facebook people, podcast people, they seem to think that we all want to live in the United Soviet States of America, which is something I've defined going back to 1995. USS of A. Welcome to the USS of A, the United, the United Soviet States of America. It's not a funny story. It's terrifying to think that so few have so much power over so many. Meanwhile, those of us in the know 
are sitting here recoiling in horror, but we expected it at the most snake-like human being America has ever seen, Barack Hussein Obama, who celebrated his 60th birthday on Martha's Vineyard last night with a party for 400 people who were seen dancing without masks. So I called him a hypocrite on social media, and right away his minions said, yeah, but they were all um, vaccinated. They had to be vaccinated to go there. I said, really? Then why does their chief propagandist pimp, Anthony Fauci, tell America that you should wear masks even if you've been vaccinated while Obama was seen dancing without a mask, as were all of the other fraudulent evil ones? Answer, because they're full of crap. But let me get positive here with those of you who want a little science here. Why is it that obese people, more likely than normal weight people, to have a deadly case of COVID-19? Why? Well, number one, people with obesity are more likely than normal weighted people to have other diseases that are independent risk factors for COVID-19, which include diabetes. In other words, if you're fat, you tend to have diabetes, lung disease, heart disease, right? So those are already weaken you. People who are overweight are prone to metabolic syndrome in which both fat levels and blood sugar levels, or both of them together, are uh, at unhealthy levels and their blood pressure may be high. So a recent study from Tulane University of 287 hospitalized COVID-19 patients found that metabolic syndrome itself increased the risks of ICU admission, ventilation, and death. So body mass index remains a strong independent risk factor for severe COVID-19. And everyone knows this and why. But why is it, in addition to these underlying conditions, what is it that makes obesity create such a vulnerability for people for COVID-19? Well, fat in the abdomen pushes up on the diaphragm, causing a large muscle which lies below the chest cavity to put pressure on the lungs and restrict airflow. Most importantly, the people with obesity have blood which has an increased tendency to clot, which is a big risk during an infection that independently causes the small vessels of the lungs to clot. You hear what I'm saying? In COVID-19 patients with obesity, you've got very sticky blood, very, very sticky blood, which tends to clot. Then there's the issue of weakened immunity amongst obese people. Fat cells infiltrate the organs where immune cells are produced and stored, such as the thymus, bone marrow, and spleen. And so people who are, who are obese lose immune tissue in exchange for fat tissue or adipose tissue, which makes the immune system less effective both in protecting the body from pathogens or responding to a vaccine. So people who are obese have fewer immune cells, less effective immune cells. The key immune cells are called T cells, and they don't work as well when people are obese. In fact, 
a, an expert found that people with obesity vaccinated against flu had twice the risk of catching it as vaccinated, healthy weight people. Now, here's a big one that you probably know something about. Maybe I'm telling you things you already know and you want to skip through all of this because eventually I'm going to tell you what to take to stimulate your immune system. People who are obese suffer from chronic low-grade inflammation. That's the big key word these days, inflammation. Why? Why do obese people suffer from chronic low-grade inflammation? Because fat cells secrete several inflammation-triggering chemical messengers called cytokines. You've heard of cytokine storms? So fat cells secrete inflammation-triggering chemical messengers called cytokines. And more of them come from immune cells called macrophages that come in to clean up dead and dying fat cells. These factors together compound the runaway cytokine activity that characterizes severe COVID-19, meaning the, the cytokine storm. The cytokine storm is caused by inflammation. So the severity of COVID-19 amongst people with obesity explains why the pandemic occurs in so-called disproportionate numbers in minority groups, including American Indians, Alaskan Natives, African Americans, and others. Now, we're going to hear it's due to social conditions. They don't have access to health care, uh, poverty, you know, the standard fare that it's everyone else's fault. Then they say people with obesity delay seeking medical care due to fear of being stigmatized. That's nonsense. It has nothing to do with stigma. It has everything to do with what's going on inside the body. Don't, don't believe all of that other stuff. That's politically correct rubbish to make society feel guilty for it. But the fact of the matter is obesity itself adds a tremendous risk to getting COVID and dying from COVID or winding up in the ICU. So make sure if you're obese, be very cautious. Be very, very cautious. Stay away from people. Wash your hands. Take your shoes off when you come home. Do not go to Obama-like gatherings for birthday parties. Try exercising. Walk around the house. Losing even a little weight can improve your metabolic health and reduce your chance of developing severe COVID-19 if you do become infected. So work on that. You do not have to become thin to benefit. Just try to lose a few pounds. Now, when I come back here, I'm going to go on to the next phase of today's podcast, everything you ever wanted to know about COVID, that the government and the media won't tell you. We've just covered why obese people are at high risk or at higher risk. We're going to cover next what you can actually take and why they work, you know, why some of these things that I'm going to tell you about work. We're going to talk about things that I talked about in 2019, which is we all heard about zinc. We've all heard about uh, quercetin. I'm going to go into specific examples of functional medicines, meaning virus-specific nutraceuticals and botanical agents that you can take and in what doses and why they work. Very important. That's the stuff I really want to get into right here on today's Savage Nation podcast. 
but I need to finish my coffee and take a break, so stay with me. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. We pray for a vaccine. We hope that it will be soon and that it will be available, as Mr. Clyburn said, equitably. I will add ethically to everyone in our country. But we can't have it one day before it is late ready. We don't want it one day later or one day sooner than it is ready. And that means we cannot have political interference into the, process, the production of discovery of that vaccine. All right, now we go into part two of today's podcast, everything you ever want to know about COVID that the government won't tell you. We talked about why obese people are at higher risk. You learned about uh, inflammation. You learned about what goes on inside fat cells and things of that nature. But what can you actually eat to increase your chances of resisting this virus? And if it does enter your body, of your body killing the virus, or if you do get sick, recovering more quickly. Um, well, there's a lot of things you can do. You don't want to get a cytokine storm, so how do you stimulate your immune system? Way back in 2019, it was a 2020, I don't remember anymore, probably last year, I did a whole podcast on zinc and, of course, foods high in epigallocatechin or quercetin. Now, what is that all about? Well, zinc destroys the COVID-19 virus inside your cells. But the trick is you must first get it into your cells. In other words, just eating zinc-rich foods or taking zinc won't work. You have to open the gates of your cell membranes for the zinc to enter. So what are the most cost-effective safe options with minimal side effects that I can recommend. Now, I should say discuss it with a doctor to protect myself legally. So discuss it with a doctor, most of whom never studied nutrition. But zinc is a well-known preventive and therapeutic agent alone. It meets all of the criteria we're looking for, safe, minimal side effects, and simple to, to, to get, and inexpensive, by the way. There's much medical evidence associating a person's zinc status with uh, viral and respiratory tract infections. You can find studies all over the, the map on that one. Now, can we guarantee that if you take zinc and epigallocatechin, you won't get COVID-19 or that you won't get a cytokine stone? No, of course not. There are always unknown factors. But... Um, Zinc is definitely known to reduce vascular complications. Now, why? Zinc preserves natural tissue barriers, such as the respiratory epithelium, and it prevents pathogen entry, so it helps balance your immune system. Okay, it balances the redox system. And zinc deficiency can be added to the factors that this predispose a person to infection and the severe progression of COVID-19. Zinc is also has direct antiviral properties. So good. So first I'm going to tell you foods high in zinc. I mean, you can take zinc supplements. Fine. Take some. 
I would say do not take high doses of zinc supplements. Instead, include zinc-rich foods in a healthy diet. Zinc kills coronavirus if you can get the zinc into your cells. So what are some of the high, foods highest in zinc? Oysters, Alaska king crab, ground beef, fortified breakfast cereal, read the label, lobster, poor things, pork chop, poor pig, baked beans, poor beans, dark meat chicken, poor chicken. But here's the trick. In order for zinc to be effective to kill the coronavirus, it needs an activator that opens up channels into the cells and allows the zinc to get inside. Natural activators are quercetin and epigallocatechin. What are those? They're basically tannins. So to make it simple, drink a lot of tea, black tea, green tea. Green tea has, for example, almost 35 milligrams per 100 grams of green tea contain epigallocatechin, which opens up the cell membrane, 35. Black tea has about 9.36. So it's, you know, it's pretty severely different. And there's green tea is great to drink. Carob flour, very high in epigallocatechin, which no one's going to eat carob chocolate. But go get, get some carob chocolate. Pecans, hazelnuts, pistachios, low amounts of epigallocatechin, but some. Apples, peaches, plums, blackberries, cranberries, all high in epigallocatechin. What about foods high in quercetin, another tannin-like compound? Capers. I love capers. I've been cooking like crazy with them. They're one of the highest on the list. Would you believe that? Hot peppers, all types. I've been eating tons of Monterey peppers now for over a year. Onions. I live on onions. I live on scallions. I'm going down the list now in descending order of quercetin. Number one, capers. Number two, oregano, which I live on. Number three, hot peppers. Then onions, sweet, red scallions. Eat them all the time. Bee pollen, chia seeds. Then cranberries, blueberries, blackberries. Then spinach, red leaf lettuce, arugula, and kale. Then okra and asparagus. Then apple skin, plums, and grapes. And then uh, red wine. They all contain quercetin. So I'm trying to give you some functional medicine approaches to COVID-19. I've given you foods high in zinc. Zinc kills coronavirus if it can get into your cells. And I'm telling you to eat foods high in zinc. But for zinc to be effective to kill the coronavirus, it needs an activator that will, that will open up channels into the cell and allow the zinc to get inside. And I've given you natural activators which contain quercetin and epigallocatechin. So that is part two of today's podcast from Michael Savage. I'll be back in a minute for more information that you can use to take control of your own health. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. It has been an absolute chaotic disaster. When that mindset of what's in it for me and to heck with everybody else, when that mindset is operationalized uh, in our government. All right, welcome back to the Savage Nation podcast. We're talking about everything you ever wanted to know about COVID-19, 
that the government won't tell you. I should say the government media complex won't tell you. And now we're moving on after we've talked about obesity as a risk factor, zinc and activators, uh, and how they work and what foods contain them. We're now moving on to uh, nutraceuticals and botanicals that can help you defeat or prevent this disease, this virus more specifically. So before I begin, I want to recommend something. Please go to the Institute of Functional Medicine. The Institute for Functional Medicine has some of the best material on this. And um, you can find it probably by doing a quick search. Let me begin by saying most people already know that to keep yourself healthy, you got to keep yourself healthy, right? I'm not going to talk about vaccinations right now, nor about mask wearing. That's a whole separate topic. They've talked about it in the past. And I'll give you what I think is the most intelligent opinions on those at another time. Or maybe I'll include it at the end of this uh, podcast. I'm not sure. But first of all, let's start with common sense. Stay away from crowds. Wash your hands as though you're a surgeon when you come home. Take your shoes off at the door. And things of that nature. Don't go to parties like Obama had and dance without masks with a bunch of drug addicts and entertainers and tell everyone that you're better than everybody. What a super spreader event that was. So let's begin on what you can do to modulate your cellular defense and repair mechanisms, right? What you can do to favorably promote viral eradication or to inactivate viruses. What you can do to mitigate collateral damage from other therapeutic agents you may be taking, okay? I'm not saying these are guaranteed to work, but they may reduce the severity and duration of symptoms and complications. So where do we begin? Everyone knows by now, any doctor knows by now about the dangerous cytokine storm. You've heard about that. In fact, I have a doctor friend, a very fine doctor, a great doctor, who did get COVID last spring, and he, he was not hospitalized. He said the one thing he was worried about was a cytokine storm. So he increased his intake of zinc, epigallocatechin. He drank a lot of green tea, but he did a lot of other things. I'm going to tell you more about it right now. How does this work? What actually happens when the virus enters your body? Well, it's well known that the coronavirus, such as SARS-CoV-2, is deadly because it can stimulate a part of the innate immune response called the inflammasome, which can lead to an uncontrolled release of pro-inflammatory cytokines, leading to a cytokine storm that will probably, in almost all cases, damage respiratory epithelium, which can lead to death, which is why people go on ventilators. The SARS-CoV-2 virus is known to activate the NLRP3 inflammasome. Okay, so what can you do? Well, you can take foods that are known to inhibit this response. There was a 2016 review article entitled Natural Compounds as Regulators of NLRP3 Inflammasome-Mediated IL-Beta Production. And in that article, it was noted that curcumin, resveratrol, epigallocatechin, gallate, and quercetin happened to be potent inhibitors of NLRP3 inflammasome-mediated IL-1-beta production. 
very important to know that these polyphenols are very beneficial and have a much broader biological effect, not only in preventing and, uh, let's say, mitigating against this virus, but in many, many other illnesses. These are plant bioactive compounds. And uh, what happens is some of these plant bioactive compounds inhibit the COVID-19 main protease, M-PRO, which is needed for viral replication. These plant compounds inhibit the COVID-19 main protease, M-PRO, which is needed for viral replication. And they include some of the plants that we have talked about, such as turmeric, known as curcumin, catechin, epigallocatechin, gallate. They have the best potential to act as COVID-19 M-PRO inhibitors. But there are others, and I sec- suggest that you look into them. We've talked about the compound known as zinc. You can take it as a supplement. You can eat the foods rich in zinc. But there are others. I'm going to give you the whole list right now. You may as well just go down the list with you. And I'm just going to give you the summary of them. What are they? Are they miraculously hard to find? No. Are guaranteeing that it'll work? No. But uh, they will help. Elderberry. Widespread use as an antiviral herb. I've written book upon book going back to the 1970s on herbal medicine. You want the specifics on this, look it up yourself. Elderberry, Sambucus nigra. Wonderful, well-known botanical as an antiviral herb. And you can look into it yourself. I'm not going to give you dosages because that would be medical advice. You'll have to figure it out yourself. We've all heard about vitamin D. Everyone takes vitamin D now. Very important because it's actually a steroid hormone. It's an immune system modulator that actually reduces the expression of inflammatory cytokines. It actually helps produce and increase the function of macrophages. Vitamin D also stimulates potent antimicrobial peptides, which are found in neutrophils, monocytes, natural killer cells, NKCs, and epithelial cells of the respiratory tract. It does so many things. So vitamin D supplementation may prevent upper respiratory infections. However, I'd be very careful with how much you take of it because it is a steroid Hormone. I've been very careful with vitamin D my whole life. I take some now, but I wouldn't overdo it. I wouldn't overdo it. Be very careful with it. And you should have your serum levels checked before you take a lot of it. Vitamin A is a miracle. Uh, people don't understand how important vitamin A is. I've been taking it for years. In fact, I personally, whenever I feel a cold coming on or I don't feel well, I'll go up to 100,000 IUs of vitamin A and then I'll back it off the next day because vitamin A is stored in the fat tissue and it can be toxic in high doses. It has a critical role in enhancing immune function, plays roles in cellular immune responses by modulating T helper cells and cytokine production. So how much do you take? Well, the recommended dose generally is 10 to 25,000 units a day. But I told you what I do. When I feel it coming on, I'll go up to 100,000 units. You know, you're getting close to a toxic level at 400,000 units of vitamin A. Be very careful with it. And um, 
we'll talk about that at another time. Vitamin C, we all know about. Supports various cellular functions. Everyone knows about vitamin C. The problem is most of the supplements on the market are inactive and they're garbage. They don't work. So you say, well, how do I know what a good, a good brand is? I'm not going to sell brands right now because I'm not going to do that. But I will tell you right now, a lot of the... I was once director of nutrition for a major company. And uh, I can tell you from the inside, a lot of it is garbage. How much vitamin C? One to three grams a day, if you can tolerate it. Many people can't even tolerate it, so take the type that uh, does not you know, cause reactions. So take that. Now, here's another one that you should look into, N-acetylcysteine, N-A-C. It's a phenomenal, little-known nutrient. NAC is so powerful that if a person eats a poisonous mushroom and is sent to a hospital, NAC, N-acetylcysteine is given to, to treat mushroom poisoning because it helps the liver. NAC is phenomenal. It promotes glutathione production. And uh, <laughs> how much do you take? Six to 900 milligrams. That's what people recommend. I don't recommend it because I'm not doing medical advice today. And it modulates cellular defense and repair mechanisms. And it helps restore glutathione and cysteine. NAC, N-acetylcysteine, don't overlook that one. Quercetin, we've talked about, has antiviral effects against both RNA and DNA viruses. Quercetin. It's a tannin. Epigallocatechin gallate, I've told you about that, green tea. It modulates the NLRP3 inflammasome. It targets the SARS-CoV-2 main protease and reduces viral replication. It can actually work to prevent influenza in healthcare workers. Epigallocatechin gallate, I wrote about that years ago, four cups a day of green tea. Curcumin. What is curcumin? It's turmeric. Indian food, if you can find any good Indian food without the dreck in the restaurants. Curcumin is a wonderful uh, compound. Melatonin. We've heard about melatonin to help you sleep after uh, jet lag or to prevent jet, jet lag. It's been shown to have an inf- inhibitory effect on the NLRP3 inflammasome as well. I don't take melatonin because I don't like to screw around with my sleep cycles. Honestly, I don't take it. What is resveratrol? We all know what that is. You know where that's found. It's a naturally occurring polyphenol. It also modulates the NLRP3 inflammasome. And it has in vitro activity against Mayer's COVID in an an animal study. Resveratrol. You've heard about that. So what else is there? Well, that's pretty much a lot there. And I can't guarantee it's going to prevent COVID or prevent a cytokine storm, but you're certainly reducing your risk of getting the disease or dying from the disease. These are the best things you can do in nutraceuticals that are known so far. When I come back, I will give you the next list of stuff that you can take that might help you. And again, there are no guarantees. We're still all learning. We're all trying to help each other. 
I'm not selling you anything. I'm giving you knowledge. Next, when I come back, I'm going to talk about botanicals that you can take. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. You are vaccinated. You don't have to wear a mask outside. We a very unusual situation. If you were going into a completely crowded situation where people are essentially falling all over each other, then you wear a mask. <laughs> but any other time, if you're vaccinated and you're outside, put aside your mask. You don't have to wear it. All right. Welcome back to the Savage Nation podcast. We're talking about everything you ever wanted to know about COVID-19 that the government won't tell you. Botanicals that you can take. Quite a few of them, and it can go on and on and on. And they, they modulate immune activity in, in interesting ways. Beta-glucans are known to modulate immune activity. They're known in human trials uh, to decrease cold and flu symptoms. Good to know about that. Mushrooms have been shown to possess broad immunomodulatory effects. So eat your mushrooms. I love mushrooms. Shiitake, lion's mane, reishi, maitake. All the stuff the hippies have been telling you about for 50 years, they were right all along. Include them in your eggs in the morning. Mushrooms, mushrooms, mushrooms. And I don't mean psychedelic mushrooms. Licorice, known in Chinese medicine, inhibit viral re replication. They block the ACE2 receptor, promote the activity of Th1 cells. They inhibit pro-inflammatory cytokines, prostaglandins, and nitric oxide production. Licorice, licorice, licorice root, standardized, found in many health food stores. Short-term use would be advised. There are herbs such as andrographis paniculata. No common name. Standardized extracts are found with this. Astragalus. Membranaceous. Astragalus. Used in traditional Chinese medicine for centuries. Well known for its antiviral activity. Anti-inflammatory activity. Berberine. You probably heard about that. Found in golden seal, gold thread, Oregon grape. An alkaloid. Shown to have antiviral activity across a broad range of viral targets. Berberine. Found in the roots, rhizomes, and stem bark of plants, including golden seal, gold thread, and Oregon grape. We've all known about this for many, 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 many years, those of us in the herbal business. Echinacea, an old one. I wrote about it many years ago. Everyone knows about it. Well known in many ways to stimulate macrophage activation as well as natural killer cell activity in both human and animal models. Okay? Echinacea, echinacea, echinacea. In fact, echinacea preparations, according to the article I mentioned, have been shown to reduce the frequency, severity, and or duration of upper respiratory tract symptoms in several trials. Echinacea, echinacea, echinacea. Luteolin, it's a flavonoid. It's found in various fruits and vegetables, including lemons, chicory, peppers, celery, radicchio. Radicchio, you never heard of that? Italians love it. And plants rich in luteolin have been used in traditional Chinese medicine. So luteolin is another one to look into. Those are some of the things that you can do, again, on your own to both reduce the risk of letting this virus replicate within your cells. And, of course, should you contract the virus to st stimulate your immune system, and prevent the cytokine storm. 
no discussion of nutraceuticals and botanicals against various illnesses would be complete without discussing garlic. Say, ah, I know all about garlic. Well, maybe you do, so don't listen to this. Or maybe you don't, so listen to this. Let me explain something to you. Garlic and onions have been used for thousands of years to treat cancers. I'm not talking about COVID now. I'm just going to give you a general background on garlic, and then we'll get to this specific virus. Hippocrates wrote about a steam fumigation of garlic to treat cancer of the uterus. You can find similar usage written about against cancers recorded in ancient Egypt, Greece, Rome, India, Russia, Europe, and China. We all know that the Russians call it Russian penicillin. New research in China showed a significant inverse relationship between the incidence of stomach cancer and the intake of garlic and related allium vegetables like onion. They interviewed 1,131 controls and 564 patients with stomach cancer, and it was found that people with no stomach cancer ate significantly higher amounts of these vegetables than did the cancer patients. Those people who ate less than 11.5 kilograms a year were found to be more than twice as likely to develop cancer of the stomach than were people who ate more than 24 kilograms a year. That's an awful lot. That's an awful lot of onion and garlic. Here's something. People in Georgia where Vitalia onions are grown have a stomach cancer mortality rate among whites that is one-third the average U.S. level and one-half of the average level of stomach cancer in Georgia, just from onions. Now, both garlic and onion oils inhibit the enzymes lipooxygenase and cyclooxygenase. Each of these enzymes is known to act on one of two parallel biochemical pathways within the arachidonic cascade, uh, within the arachidonic acid cascade, and only by inhibiting these enzymes can this pathway be stopped or arrested. When arrested or stopped, the production of prostaglandins and leukotrienes is slowed. Since many cancers can be promoted by prostaglandin, this could explain why the allium oils have anti-tumor properties. There's much more that I can tell you about. And by the way, I'm quoting from a little booklet I wrote many years ago called Herbs and Immunity in 1990. So you think I'm quoting someone else, you're wrong. Dr. Weiner's Herbal Reference Guidebook, Herbs and Immunity. That's when I was very, very interested in herbal medicine. You can't buy it anywhere because it's not for sale. I'm giving you this information for free. But there's much more to garlic and onions. Garlic and onions are very important for you to know about. They contain over 75 different sulfur-containing compounds. While most of the medical benefits derived from supplementation with extracts of these plants are a result of these sulfurous compounds, new studies show that additional compounds are present in them including the bioflavonoids quercetin and cyanidin. Onions contain very high amounts of quercetin. Remember I told you earlier about quercetin, which helps open the cell membrane to zinc. And quercetin has been used to treat allergies, inflammatory diseases, and diabetic cataracts. Selenium, a powerful cellular antioxidant, is also found in the allium vegetables and their extracts. And the anti-tumor effects claimed for selenium may be based on its ability to replace the sulfur in the amino acid L-cysteine. 
I'm giving you some technical information now for those of you who want it. Leukemic white blood cells have a rapid turnover of L-cysteine, and by substituting selenium for sulfur in this amino acid, leukemia can possibly be suppressed in animals. Again, no medical advice. But we know alliums are very effective antibacterials. They can kill clostridium, pseudomonas, salmonella, and other problematic species of bacteria. The fungus Candida albicans, which is seen in a number of immunologic conditions, AIDS and cancer, this fungus is also destroyed by allicin and other compounds or components of garlic. Garlic and onion and their extracts have tremendous effects on the lipid profile of blood and tissues. They lower cholesterol, triglycerides, and LDL cholesterol levels while also increasing the beneficial cholesterol HDL. Again, garlic, garlic, garlic. There are many, many others that I've talked about in nutraceuticals and botanicals, but I concluded with garlic because it stands on its own as a phenomenally important herb. And as I say, it's known as Russian penicillin. We've covered echinacea before. Now we covered garlic. We've touched on golden seal. We've touched on mushrooms. Uh, I've not yet discussed other compounds, which could be a whole separate podcast another day, seaweeds that are used to stimulate the immune system. There are many other things in herbs that affect immunity, and I've given you some of them. Astragalus, citrus oils, echinacea, garlic, golden seal, mushrooms, oak bark, seaweeds, and white willow. These are some of the well-known medicines from nature. And these are the things that you should be thinking about. The next time you notice a pussy willow rustling in the breeze, focus on the catkins, envision the salicin beneath their surface, and ponder the magic of nature. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast on some of the things we can try to do to resist the invasion of the virus and things we can do should we somehow contract the virus to help ourselves through plants and herbs and uh, foods and spices and vitamins. But I want to say this. I want to say that ultimately what I have presented here is from God. You talk about earth medicine, earth foods. You talk about plants that heal and things of that nature. Where did it come from? It came from God. And I want to say again, all of our knowledge in true science was meant to be discovered when God created man. So I pray for myself, for my family, and everyone listening to this podcast. May we all be safe and thank God for everything we have in this great nation. Thanks for listening. I'm Michael Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free. I'll say that again. You can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure. So you never have to be without the Savage Nation. Thank you very much for listening.